Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Spar and Brawl. I hope you're having a decent day. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam, and we're back with another episode of The Progressive World. So it should be a relatively long one. It doesn't seem like it's going to be too long, Sam, but you can, <laughs> you can never tell. Some of these stories look short to me, but next thing you know, we talk about for 20 minutes. But anyway, as per usual, timestamps down below so you can skip to any segment that seems intriguing to you and please like and subscribe of course if you haven't okay so here's a quick quick rundown so we're first going to start with the with this brilliant video that brianna put up just last night pretty much on thursday called should the left primary joe biden as chris hedges and shama sawant really great really great video if you ask me then that's going to include a few small mini stories in there as well aoc apparently promising work Amazon workers that's going to come out and support them during a strike and then just bails on them. Then we have a few two little stories on Jordan Peterson. Well, Kyle Kalinske, Kyle Crystal and friends were supposed to have him, but he bailed on them kind of last minute. And then so we're going to use that opportunity to also touch on a few other things, well, especially Sam concerning Jordan Peterson. Then there's clarification. Clarifications. Then there's this new movie coming out, Eternals, um, and Sam wants to do a little recap of it and also link it to... It's not... Uh, or is uh, it out already? DV- yeah, yeah, the Blu-ray, I think, or the digital right. media just came out. But yeah, it's been out for a while. I just, yeah, I just recently caught up with it. Okay, well, I haven't seen it, but Sam is going to um, tell me about tell- it here. Yeah, and we're going to link it to kind of the overall theme of this uh, of this video, which is, are we doing enough of this podcast? So it kind of goes with the theme. It's not going to be that random. Then we're going to move on to our progressive press segment. And we have one story, and it's pretty much about vasectomies and climate change. <laughs> so we're going to maybe have a little back and forth on that and, you know, the utility of that and people taking that kind of approach. Then we're going to move on to progressive geopolitics, talk about Kazakhstan, maybe share some updates. Sam will share some updates. Russia, Ukraine stuff. Boris Johnson in the UK has been smeared in this whole uh, kind of story about whether he had this party during lockdown. I mean, they had the party, whether he participated or not. He's, he's been lying nonstop and kind of being, you know, <laughs> being found, you know, being caught on his lies. So we'll, we'll talk about that. This story was interesting. Yesterday on Thursday, the at least the French unions claimed that three third, three quarters of primary school teachers, so 75% of them were on strike. It has to do with uh, COVID, of course, and the pandemic, and about half of the schools were closed. So we'll talk about that and what was there. And there's also some, there were some similar events, of course, not at this scale that happened in the US. So we can also touch on those. And finally, we'll wrap up this segment with um, the Iran nuclear deal. So Sam will share the latest with us. Then we're going to move on to our quick hitters. Quentin Tarantino is having some NFT troubles. I'll tell everybody what's that about. There's a tennis player called Tennis <laughs> Sangren, which uh, Glenn Greenwald interviewed. So we're going to talk about that that as well. Then, is yeah, that how the name pronounced? His first or last name? Tennis? Yeah. He, then his he keep on calling tennis? him Tennis, yeah. Tennis with a Y. I didn't pay attention. I, yeah, I, I'll talk about it. But wow, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so tennis was a high-level American professional tennis player. Then there are a few stories um, related to Joe Rogan, people coming after him again for 
probably unreasonably, but we're going to come after him maybe a little bit for having, you know, the most mainstream person possible to talk about geopolitics. And also, of course, going to link in pathetic TYT and Anna Kasperian here as well, because they come into the, one of the stories. Then, oh, and then there's this British celebrity who kind of gives tips on ev to everyone on how, you know, to be successful. So that's a funny one. She, she's one she's one of the few people I think we're going to discuss who's doing far more than her share, fair share of work to, you know, improve society as a whole. I yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then we're going to have this segment called Great and Gone. So we're going to talk about people that we've kind of never met, but wish we had. And yeah, so Sam pick someone out for this week's episode. Do you want to mention anything about him? Yeah, well, it, he's an Iranian novelist who just passed away two days ago. And uh, he's had, well, I mean, not influence as if, but uh, like uh, he, he's somebody who I admire a lot. And I think his writing is a, a fantastic, you know, window into Iranian sort of history and all that. So I thought I'll just introduce him a little bit to that more international audience we have so that would be good all right great stuff and then we have another new segment which is just kind of called the question of the week so we'll try to do this every week and then after we're also going to take this question and put it in the comment section so if people want to also comment there and then we can we can visit their answers in next week's video and the question for this time is what's your most conservative position or point of view so it can be you know ideological or policy you know so that's going to be this one and then we're going to have some tweets for the first time in a long time one of them including jimmy doors and kyle kalinsky's back and forth but also some other tweets so i think that's it sam so yeah timestamps down below please like and subscribe and let's get this party started All right, Sam. So as we started doing with our first episode of this year, last week, we're just going to do a little bit of chit-chatting. And since the timestamps are down below, people can just skip to whatever segment that they want to. But yeah, how was your week? Anything interesting happened since last week? Um, it's uh, Yeah, it was okay. I watched a couple of movies. One good one, Candyman. Have you heard about that? It's a mm -hmm. horror one. Okay, are you into no. horror? No. <laughs> If anything, okay. I like close my eyes when it's like the scary parts, so it doesn't count. Really? But, yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I, it was actually, it was a really good one. It was not as good as I expected it because it was the guy who made Get Out okay, producing, yeah. not, not directing. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was good. You know, it wasn't uh, cheap uh, uh, scares. So that was nice. And I watched Eternals, which I'm going to tell you about, all okay. about. And that was wow. That was one wow. Just one piece of was crap. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had some redeeming stuff, which was really odd. And by the way, the review will be recap, will be a spoiler filled. But it was overall, it was just so lifeless. I don't think mm. I've ever seen any movie. Uh, yeah, I have. There's a lot of bad movies, but it was pretty lifeless. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, what about so you? Did you? 
get yeah. up to anything. So I'm back now. I'm I'm back home. So <laughs> I'm back to using my bike and drinking tap water. So you know, I'm back to oh, wow. contributing to the planet to and be <laughs> being a good a good <laughs> citizen. But yeah, I've been busy a bit with schoolwork um, um, this week. So universities in Switzerland, typically you do your exams or your papers and stuff after the Christmas holiday. So just this week, I was a bit busy with that. So I didn't really watch anything in particular. I want to watch a football game, but I didn't. Um, I didn't get to watch it. I watched some Sopranos episodes as per usual while I was eating. But <laughs> besides nice. that nothing to nothing too major i think um for this week that's and yeah oh, i must say yeah i did the yeah there was a i always find it like you don't mind re-watching stuff and eating i try to save like original stuff for when i'm eating you oh, know right. I mean? no 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 even rewatching like is a special better. i even watched clips yeah, Seinfeld, it's always sunny. Clips, I can't. I, I need 10 minutes. Yeah. No, sometimes yeah. I, I mean, watch I clips eat fast, but... <laughs> when I'm too desperate. I mean, like, so when it comes to news and politics or like social science stuff, I can't stand watching or listening to the same stuff or like the same ideas over and over again. I always want something new. But when it comes to TV shows, I'm the absolute opposite. So just watching the same shows sopranos or before i don't know it's always something philadelphia or seinfeld or curb your enthusiasm yeah. that kind of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, over yeah, and over absolutely. sometimes if i get too desperate rewatch yeah but there is yeah there is the thing though there is something about short really intelligent comedies that makes them rewatchable but i can't do it with like i don't know i feel like if i do it with something else i'm like losing my time it's a waste of time you know what i mean but I'm eating. When I'm eating, I feel like my mental capacity drops by like 200%. So for instance, oh, one of the worst stuff that I watch when I'm eating is How I Met Your Mother. And I can't oh, watch yeah, a second of it when my meal is done. But when, while I'm eating, <laughs> it's like right away I'm disgusted. It's as if, you know, you had like, <laughs> sex with someone. <laughs> <We didn't laughs> like an <laughs> yeah, what have like I done? <laughs> almost date rapes somebody. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I'm like, why? Why did I? But then... yeah, I know, I know. It oh, was how I met your mother is weird because it just came out during the time that the transition was happening from like you know, yeah, it's cool to joke about you know rape oh, and all that. To I mean, suddenly it became like guys. You need to shut the fuck up. Like, you know, it's just suddenly the culture just shifted. Yeah, no, that's interesting that you say that because sometimes I've thought of that as a counterexample of, you know, how in the cancel culture, whatever time that you want to talk about, like you can objectify women and say like the craziest thing about them on TV. But I guess How I Met Your Mother did end like 10 years ago. So I guess it's yeah. kind of a different era, so it's not really fair. But yeah, I mean, in that show, <laughs> it's nonstop, oh. that kind of stuff. I mean, the yeah. main character, he's centered, he's centered around that, like one of the main no, characters. The, I mean, the problem with How I Met Your Mother, the main character, what's his name? What oh, not name? Ted. I meant Barney anyway. I Ted. mean, Ted is a oh, pathetic Barney. loser. Yeah. 
Put that guy aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ted is not a pathetic loser. Ted is like the has the best life ever, in which every other week he's got introduced to one of the like hottest women lives in that city, and he's like, oh, but I don't love her. Like you know. But there you go. He's you know, a pathetic she, loser, she, though. <laughs> no, he's got the best life, but he thinks he's a pathetic loser, which makes him just the most annoying person. He's like. oh man and his no. job is an architect which is basically like you're an artist student that people <laughs> think you actually like know stuff so you know it's there uh, we go um, now you pissed way, no. off the one architect watching our show <laughs> by the way my mother is an architect <laughs> i respect architects i have friends who are architects <laughs> some like of my best saying friends. a racist <laughs> joke <laughs> some of my, my best friend friends is black. are architects <laughs> Now you're just lying. <laughs> no, it well, my mom counts as a friend. <laughs> But uh, no, it was yeah, I really ha- hated Ted. I just, you know, he was the most pathetic. Uh yeah. I, I mean, yeah, as you say, he was a loser but in a very strange loser. Like his life wasn't bad. He was just internally a loser. In his head, yeah. Pathetic. Per- yeah, in the mindset, the mindset. <laughs> yeah why are we talking of how i met your mother bob saget i told you you don't know him but oh. he was the voice of ted yeah 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 no away, the sadly. dad sorry if yeah, ted yeah. as an older well i had a tweet for you actually there so now you, you right. but the oh, tweet might still be yeah. funny about him no i knew who he was i just forgot who he was exactly and i never watched full house Uh, yeah, I never watched Full House. I knew some of his stand-up and I knew him because of Norm MacDonald because I was such a huge fan of Norm MacDonald and Bob Saget directed a film with Norm MacDonald, oh. Dirty Works. It's pretty good. Uh, so, you know, uh, just, yeah. And he's uh, roast, Norm, Norm MacDonald does, a, I think it was Bob Saget roast and he's just amazing. Oh, yeah. He does this anti-comedy comedy. It's just amazing. But you uh, know what else he was in? He was in Entourage. Do you remember him? So maybe no. towards season nine or so, he happens I... to be like um, um, Vincent's oh, and stuff, neighbor. Golf? No, he happens to be Vince's neighbor and he's oh, really right. into chicks, like young chicks and having sex. And he, oh, yeah, and he's trying to his... sign him, like he's trying to sign him to his like agency. And his demand is to kind of like have sex on the table of one of like the co-workers. Like he has that kind of personality, you know, he's like this. middle-aged single yeah sex, sex guy who's, in, who's into just like <laughs> sex and just says whatever the hell he wants because you know he did that if i think he, his stand-up was considered like shocking because he used to do full house it was like family friendly mm. and then his stand-up was quite uh you know uh, his language was quite yeah i mean offensive I'm, yeah that makes sense i mean i'm guessing his character on since he was playing himself on entourage was loosely based like on semi, i guess how yeah. he is <laughs> i i i i hear he was a very good man so i don't yeah. think he was ever yeah like a, from what i understand i don't really again i don't want to nowadays you can't really <laughs> even be nice to someone like it's like dangerous i don't know man maybe he did something <laughs> yeah it's just it's but yeah that was that and talking about cancel culture is a good way to segue i think to David Cross being mm-hmm. on Useful Idiots, who was, uh, we found out this week that we are still finding out new things about <laughs> each other, which is a sign of a true love. Uh, but yeah, we found out that, yeah, we were both of him from very young age. 
due to uh, the small soldier. Yes, that small soldier. Hit movie. <laughs> I used to love that one. Watch it over and over and over again. And yeah, I think, yeah, I yeah may have watched it like four hundred times. Oh yeah, the, for the sure. VHS got really yeah. yeah. And it was so good. It was so. No, definitely, he's in it in the beginning, I think, and then in the end, he comes back to, and he comes yeah. and like you know, he was like the creator of like the microchips or whatever that they put in the toys. I think him yes, and his yeah, him yeah, and yeah, his and buddy, and they come yeah. to like warn them at the house and stuff, and then. <laughs> yeah, it was so oh, that's a great movie. I love it. Was just it was it was really like I always I. I still think it's true. I think it was the better version of Toy Story. It was like the cooler action version of Toy Story. Toy Story and Toy Story has really problematic ending in my view, where they scare a child who had no idea that his toys are conscious being. They scare that child into probably like a you know life of uh, you know just trauma basically. You know your toys coming alive as torture. Oh yeah, the bad kid. The bad kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, at the end, that's what they do. That's the conclusion. That's the closure yeah. of the. But yeah, to- Small Soldiers was just like the action, cool version of Toy Story. And I mean, I think like it was more appropriate for maybe kids who were like one year older than maybe kids yeah, watching. Yeah, it was a bit oil older. Yeah. But it didn't meet that parents kind of audience, which Toy Story like locked that in like so well. So maybe that's yeah, one reason. It- I think yeah, it, that's probably one reason it didn't do as well as it could have because it was not young enough for just children, children, but didn't have big themes as well that you know yeah parents would love like yeah. Pixar. So yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. for like was, eight to eleven year olds or like pretty much. Yeah, I think it was for yeah people who had GI Joes and that yeah. type of action figure. It was just amazing. <laughs> It was just the best. Whereas Toy Story like covered everyone and everything. And, you know, the music was good. Everything was good. I mean, that was really. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Probably one of the only cartoon movies I watched and liked. (laughs) Randy Newman. That's his music. And Buzz Buzz being like so like, you know, unaware of everything and stuff. Oh, you know, there's a Buzz. There's a Buzz Light movie coming. Oh, They're yeah. going to make an animation that is Buzz Lightyear as a space-like guy. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, the ad looked okay. I mean, they've already made like a lot of cartoons and all this kind of stuff just based on him. Oh, really? But yeah. I remember seeing yeah. them when I was younger, all kinds of stuff. Not but more like, you know, I... TV cartoons. Yeah. Not movies. Um... Well, yeah, David Cross is a legend in my view. Yeah. He was on. I, I don't know if you ever watched Mr. Show or uh, he did this great, it was great, but I never got jokes, to be honest, because <laughs> no. I was too young. But uh, Bob Odenkirk and him did this show, the guy from uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Uh-huh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. He used to have this a sketch comedy, which was actually super smart. <laughs> I think that's why he he's stand-ups, like now I can get it. Like he's super smart. Uh, and you know very lefty very intelligent guy very yeah i really like him i really and i thought his take on cancel culture was the best take can you refresh my memory a little bit 
Well, he basically said that, yeah, I agree that it's not a good thing, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to make it my biggest cause ever mm -hmm. because they talk about one of the Mr. Show's episodes because they do, they make fun of blackface and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it uh, got taken down the whole episode. Yeah, and he, he said, uh, yeah, I think it's wrong. And, you know, obviously the intention of the joke is clear and anybody can tell and all that. So I'm not going to, it's not good, but I'm not going to make a cause out of it. And the people who say that this is basically, they should say stuff. They're being cowards. You know, they should, uh, it, they shouldn't, like, again, Bill Bear, David Cross, a lot of Dave Chappelle, they get to say a lot of things. And I think they say it without offending people in a, mm -hmm. you know, in a, like, in a xenophobic manner, let's say. So, and he also said that he, find, he I think he mentioned that some people, it seems they just want to say some really, you know, they want to actually be, make, like, become, xen, make xenophobic jokes, mm -hmm. racist jokes. or Yeah, go out of their and, way. And like, yeah, and yeah, and they're just upset because of that. So he had the most balanced view of anybody, I think. He was no, definitely. Like, you're it's right. awful, but what can you do? Yeah. And he was very like thoughtful and like you know just like thinking before he spoke and everything, so it was good. Yeah. Oh, and he was also in Arrested Development. I completely yes, forgot of about that. Funke. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Funke. Is, um, oh my God, he was probably him or the father guy. Uh, the, one of oh, the yeah. best in my. It was just when he became part of the Blue Man Group. That was just. <laughs> 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 It's so good. But yeah, that was oh, the man. first good interview with Aaron Mate in it. Yeah. So he got a, yeah. Uh, yeah, a really good guest, I think. But you know, now like Aaron Mate keeps on mentioning how he's like a temporary fill in, a temporary one. So they keep on singing more and more. So I feel like Matt Taibbi is not going to be long gone for too long. I'm not sure. I thought it was going to be like a one to two year thing, but they keep on saying it. So maybe oh, it's just a few no, months. One I don't know. to two year? No, but I, I mean, I thought he was going to write three. the for three months, you think? Yeah. I, three to six, maybe he does a book tour or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. But I, I assumed when they said it's going to be short term, it's going to be six months or less. Oh, no. Just because I didn't know what, pro, at what process he was of writing the book. So I thought maybe if he's going to start from the beginning. No, I have no idea. Yeah, that's going to take a while. We don't have that insider info, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think he has the same, let's say, work discipline as we do, which is like you know, <laughs> okay, I got a hundred words down this month, and <laughs> yeah, yeah no. <laughs> but okay, all right. Should we move on to our first real story now that we've sure, chit chatted? Sure. All right, so yeah, let's move on to our first real story, which is going to be really. Let's say the lead of this story will be Brianna's interview with Chris Hedges and Shama Sawant called Should the Left Primary Joe Biden? And please like and subscribe if you haven't yet. But yeah, Sam, I mean, I would say that one of the main points that I took away from this um, from this interview, of course, it was all about third parties and, you know, how going for third parties will be more successful than whatever attempt it is to change the Democratic Party from inside. Bernie Sanders was probably the best example that this could ever happen. And even him, um, you know, we saw what happened. So I took two things that I thought um, Shama Sawant and Chris Hedges seemed to agree with everything she was saying. So two main takeaways that I liked. One was like, let's kind of think more long term. So 
sure we can be active during this upcoming election but you know of course there's not we're not even going to win like one seat with like a new party or like socialist or anything let alone become president of the united states so that was the main thing just to kind of think a bit more long term and i like that and they also coupled it with of course all of this like third party efforts need to be supported by protests and strikes and things like that so i don't know what did you think was kind of the main overall argument of this video oh well first let me just say that i think it was the best interview uh, ever on bad faith Brianna great mm-hmm. did a fantastic job because she didn't give up i think this video was perfect for our time specifically because it was uh, the most important question at least in the u.s that is what is the exact plan of action of the people on the left who are who keep saying they we have to organize do they mean organize at a local level do they mean organize at the national level what do they mean by organize do they mean setting up organization do they mean a striking do they mean protesting so i think it was just i loved it because it was so concrete Mm -hmm. at least the questions it was like it was your ideal uh, interview in that the interviewer followed up and the discussion moved forward instead of just you know usually either attacking like the british style or the american style which is just like uh, a a nice conversation over tea and cake so i i thought it was fantastic interview uh, I would agree with your, I think the main debate was what is the best strategy, strategy, third party or taking over from within the Democratic Party, uh, in which case I think Chris Hedges and uh, the lady whose name is I keep Shama Sawan. Shama Sawan. Uh, they argued third parties better. And I think they argued that you have to have a very long-term perspective and you have to uh, like both be politically active, so you have a political organization, and be uh, locally active, as in involved in local community and in uh, strikes and protests. I have, uh, so that w- I think that was the gist of their argument. And I think Brianna was somewhat, in her questioning at least, was putting forward this argument that there doesn't seem to be a plan of action for a national stage or a plan of, like, I guess she was very frustrated with their position that we are very much still in the early, early, earliest stages of, um, uh, like, local organization, which, by the way, was interesting in relation to the other video she did this week with the other professor who talked about can PMCs, professional managerial Mm. class, they become sort of uh, radicalized or not. It, It seemed to me that Chris Hedges and uh, uh, Shema, am I saying that? Because uh, um, I have her name here, Shama Sawant. Shama, Shama Sawant. I think they were, their, their tactics they were suggesting was a bit different from trying to radicalize the professional managerial class. I think they were far more focused on labor uh, at a very, very, very local level. I mean, the lady was, uh, she had been elected a number of times uh, into a city council in Seattle. Who oh, so, Shama you know, Sawant uh, or the other yeah, person? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, Shama uh, Sawant. Lady. Yeah, yeah, she's right now. Also, she just um, beat a recall effort. So yeah, she's recall. currently no, no, a council uh, member in Seattle. You know, the professor who she, Brianna Joy Gray, had as a guest a- another time. 
uh, had uh, like it was different. I think tactically, these oh, two yeah, approaches no, sure. they can they can go together, but they can they can also be opposite sometimes. No, I know who you're talking but, about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a uh, yeah, it was a fantastic interview. And then I have some uh, specific things I want to say. Oh, yeah. just to add, I just wanted to. There is a there is a center. Oh, that's the just to. I think that sort of. That summarizes uh, uh, Chris Hedges' sort of view that he said it's a politics is a constant vocation. Mm -hmm. I'd like to come back to that later. So he said it's a constant vocation. Yeah, okay. So maybe I'll just say a few things that had to do exactly with what she was saying, and then then you can move on. So one thing again about um, Shama Saon herself, I mean, I really like that she was someone from the left. If you ask me, she spoke intelligently, but she was also like easy to understand. So I can see even though if Seattle might not be the hardest place, perhaps to get a socialist elected, I can see how she won. Because sometimes we watch these videos on YouTube and we come and talk about them, about people, you know, who are from the left and, you know, they claim that they want to make a positive change and and all that. And like, I don't understand what they're talking about. So I'm like, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one <laughs> who doesn't understand what they're talking about, you know, using complicated words, using words that were used, you know, by the left back in the day, connecting this and that to it. So she was very simple, intelligent and easy to understand. I like that. And yeah, and she was saying, you know, one other great thing that she was saying is that the goal of the election is not the result itself, right? So if we don't win in an election, that's fine. Did the movement grow? Okay, maybe we lost with this, but are we in a good position to win, you know, next time perhaps, or, you know, maybe next time we'll even win two at once because, you know, we're like kind of building the foundations. And so it kind of comes back to what you were saying, like, and Brianna was saying that, you know, it's like when I ask people, so what should we do and stuff, they all say, well, we kind of need to start from scratch the beginning. You know, there isn't a big third party that's, you know, that's national in the US. And for someone who's not like involved, you know, it's easy to say that. But yeah, unfortunately, it seems like, you know, you have to kind of start from the beginning. And Bernie Sanders, you know, Bernie Sanders was like a cheat code, you know, a hack, like it's as if we we're like hacking the system, like, oh, shit, suddenly you couldn't say anything before about socialism and all this. But wow, is Bernie Sanders going to really become president? So I think that was like a one-off kind of thing and it was kind of done without all this kind of work that people I think like Shama someone are saying so yeah it's hard to hear that maybe it's at a very early early stages it's like I'll give a crappy analogy but it's like when you work on something half-assed and it's not going well and someone tells you like you know this might be hard to hear but you know forget about all these little things that you've done until now you kind of need to start properly from scratch and that's like hard to hear but I think that's kind of what she was saying and Chris Hedges was saying and yeah so it's like a long-term um you know long-term effort to get like you know third parties into a position and then she also had some criticisms of Nina Turner (laughs) which I like did you hear did you hear that part I don't specifically remember. She criticized AOC, I remember, but Nina Turner. Oh, yeah, AOC too. I remember she talked about how her campaign got, you know, destroyed and all that. And, yeah, she should have gone and spoke about issues, if I'm not mistaken, yeah? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so AOC said, you see what AOC and all, they've they've tried the way from the inside, you know, what has happened, you know, 
um, nothing. The Democratic Party have such a grip over them. And yeah, Nina Turner specific, she's like, Nina Turner was, you know, kind of playing this half game, you know, not really saying how she's different from the other candidate, not really laying it out. Yeah. And she was like, either way, I guess Bernie Sanders made the same mistake. They're going to come after you. So you might as well say everything that you want to say and not, you know, say it half-assed, hoping that, oh, now you I, won't get attacked. Yeah, but You're going to get attacked I think, either way. Yeah, yeah, Nina Turner is more compar- comparable to Elizabeth Warren, though. Than, mm. I mean, he, she sold out so fast. Like she's so fast, I mean, so fast. Elizabeth she, Warren, suddenly for sure her did. language changed. Oh, Elizabeth Warren, but I mean, Nina Turner, so, I don't know from... so much. I don't know that much to be able to as confidently no, la- say just her language. I mean, I don't know about selling out. Okay, I use that word mm. very loosely, but her language during campaign so f- changed so fast. And then you, uh, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican first, so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was just there. Yeah. I mean, but Elizabeth yeah. Warren and like Bloomberg, they were just two of the biggest, perhaps, jokes. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, Elizabeth of the Warren, past election. Who, yeah, a former, uh, you know, she's a Native American, you know that? <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, yeah. let's so, move on to uh, some I, more stuff from this video. I wanted to yeah make a couple of points. And first of all, yeah, I agree with everything pretty much just well not everything but i would say that yeah i'm you know because it was just such a great video i want to focus on the disagreements so you know we sort of i don't know in uh, what do they say uh, we open up the problem and sort of you know diagnose make a diagnose like you know try to move on the discussion yeah, yeah so it's all sure. with all due respect so i hope people don't get too angry at me but i wanted to say uh, while I do completely agree, I loved how they explained how you can get blocked uh, uh, with, from within the party, how they change the rules, how they blah, blah, blah. And third party, since Ross Perot, it's very unlikely somebody can get to a national stage and all that. But I do disagree. Like, uh, the again, the lady, I can't remember the name. Shama Sawan. Shama Sawan. Sorry, I have it. Yeah, I have memory problems. Mm-hmm. So this is, I wrote this down. So uh, in response to like, what should we do? And, you know, because this question kept being repeated and all that. So she, one, one answer I thought was somewhat concrete. She said, if you have a very, very strong political organization that is rooted in the working class, that is serious about political analysis and understands both the long-term strategy of what it takes to win victories and not sell out and uh, not sell attack and tactics for a lot of campaigns that uh, oh it's a lot of campaign and it takes a lot of organization so that was her position because she was talking it like (laughs) i was writing it down it doesn't make too much sense now and as i mentioned yeah chris hedges says that politics is a constant vocation and they keep talking about we have to have a bottom-up approach. They specifically, I believe this is a specific quote that they say, a party by the working class, for the working class, uh, through the working class, I believe, like as in developed through the work. So, uh, and uh, so that's their tactic. So we agree on the goals, right? I agree on the goals, you know, pretty much, but I completely disagree here. I'm sorry, but you know, uh, if, I mean, I don't, I mean, my view of history 
generally speaking is that as Lenin, by the way, would say it moved in wave. I think it was Lenin. It moves in waves, right? So I don't believe in this gradualism that if we work now in a very local level that, I mean, I think a lot of stuff that is attributed to protest and all that, you can't really establish causality. You know, you can establish correlation, but I think, for example, they mentioned the movements in, uh, they, they give a couple of specific examples, 1960s movements, for example, the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree with, I, I, I don't want to re- be a reductionist, but I believe Mr. Horn, Jared Horn, believes that, Professor Horn believes that historically speaking, uh, international factors may have played a more important role or a crucial role in uh, uh, civil rights being passed in the US, you know, uh, the international fight between the US and Soviet Union. Chris Hedges mentions the Iranian revolution. The strikes played a minor role, if, to be honest, not just completely nonsensical role, you know, uh, uh, in the uh, in the revolution. And I mean, I, I to be honest, this is a subject that I am, I don't want like, I'm an idiot on all matters. <laughs> but in this subject, I have been forced fed information for the last 30 years. So I have, I think I can, you know, I'm very, I can at least talk about it. So again, you know, so I completely disagree there. Not that I don't think strikes or protests or any of that wouldn't necessarily work. You need leadership first. And leadership may not come from working class. And by the way, everybody's working class. Like if you're a professional managerial class you're not right now feeling fantastic you might not have the same goals that a working class person has but you are also not having a good life you are also alienated from your work so constantly using this working class language is actually in my view can be very negative that no there is this working class in factories that are working with their hands and then there is these people working in offices who are parasites because Especially it's not helpful in the USA, where Mm -hmm. like most of manufacturing has been like USA as a whole, globally speaking, is a country of people living a middle class life, generally speaking. Of course, I know there is extreme poverty in the US as well, right? So you can't like the whole society is like that, right? So you have to have an international movement with good leaders, not to go back more at a local and atomized level and try to work your way back up. You need international movements. And if you look into the past, in my, like before the Soviet Union, before all of that, you had international, international the, you know, the summits of you know, socialist and anarchist and all that. So uh, yeah, that's like my, in, on the tactics, I must say. And frankly, in a way, uh, this is a slightly harsher criticism. I think it's a bit of an abduction of responsibility. P- you, like, it's a constant vocation, I agree. And you expect people who have, uh, who some of them have children before the age they're 25, some of them who suffer from physical or mental issues, physical being even, you know, or if you have one, seek family member in your uh, life and see how that affects you. See how suddenly you don't pay attention to everyday politics, how mm. you get sort of involved in your own life. You expect the working classes who are the most deprived and most marginalized and most uh, like targeted 
group in the society. You want them to spend their whole everyday life to do organizing and striking and I mean, come on. So what is the elite, what are the elites for, you know? Uh, show some readership in my view yeah it should be a, like there should be more uh, anyway there should be more point finger pointing at the elites that you should redefine your interest not i'm not talking about by the way jeff bezos i'm talking about just elite as a class you know so not just one billionaire individual i mean i think i think i agree with a lot of what you're saying and what i'm going to say maybe sounds very simplistic but I think all of them are like needed and involved, right? So in some places, maybe strikes and protests play a bigger part on some issues. Local organizing might be better and then it leads up to, you know, a national one. And then, yeah, of course, international pressure, and in, which you're right, Gerald Horn talks about a lot and which really seems to be a thing that we don't talk about too much on the left, or at least the U.S. left right now, except when we point out to, you know, when it's like pointing out examples in different countries, but it's not never talked about, you know, forming, forming coalitions um, on that front. And yeah, when it comes to the working, I mean, I just, I get a bit confused nowadays. I'm sure some people in the commenters, in the commenters can highlight what is kind of meant by working class. Because I mean, they also talk about the service sector. So, I mean, all those people are kind of also put in the working class, which is good. I mean, you know, in Seattle, they keep on talking about Starbucks workers and all this. So I guess I understand now that they're part of the working class too. Well, but yeah, or, or teachers and stuff. I mean, that's when like, you know, definition of working class becomes a bit like this because yeah, why not also include people in offices and all that, right? Everybody working at an office is not a CEO, right? There are all kinds of levels of people. So yeah, it'd be good if these people were kind of seen and included in the in the language too, right? Yeah, when they are work, when they are talking, it really does seem like, you know, we're only talking about factory workers and, you know, I guess because they Miners. give their, yeah, <laughs> jobs that based on what I understand exist less and less in the US. And yeah, the service sector is absolutely um, huge in the US. So, I mean, that's another one that shouldn't be forgotten. But yeah, also people uh, in, in offices I, and I, also people who are, who are, you know, I mean, all the people who are and, on YouTube and all these people who go to universities and all these other areas, not only people who are in the working class class have leftist or socialist views, right? That is like clearly not true. And a lot of the famous socialists and all these people who have written maybe come for that class, but they weren't them part of it anymore. Or maybe they don't even come from that class. So no need to also unintentionally I mean, look, alienate people who aren't necessarily from the working um, class there is a bigger part to this and that's that uh, i mean i'm going based on anecdotes right now but i remember uh, tony blair's deputy john prescott he made a documentary for i believe channel four in the uk uh, in which he went to, he was a very work he was from a very you know poor background relatively he didn't go to oxford and cambridge his accent was very you know a street you know all that so he went to the working classes and he would do interviews with them. And almost none of them believed they were working class. People mm -hmm. who lived in council, who lived in estate homes, that type of thing. Working classes don't think they're working mm -hmm. class. They think they're middle class. And mid, you know what I mean? Uh, and middle class doesn't think of itself as middle class. They think of themselves as exploited mm -hmm. when they go to work. So to use, I mean, it's useful to use these terms in academic writing and stuff. But in terms of campaigning and stuff, 
I'm not, you know, I don't think it's just irrelevant. And yeah, it's to have this very specific idea of working class, I think it's, yeah, it's a, or to at least give off that impression yeah. is bad. Also, I like to point out, I talked about that I think left always romanticizes the working man or the average man, shall I say, which I think is very problematic. Uh, or woman, by the way, average man. But there was, there is also this uh, uh, fetishization of non-voters. I think mm. that non-voters they think are these all these geniuses who have figured out that they are being fooled and they don't vote. Most of the non-voters I have seen are actually tend to be similar to the voters. Harbor, you know, they they come from all types of backgrounds. Some of them are you know, leftists that they feel like the system in, in no way, shape or form serves them. I've seen quite a lot of racist people mm-hmm. who don't vote. I've seen quite a lot of uh, hardcore religious people who don't vote. I, I've seen quite a lot of xenophobic people who don't vote. Or For just example, you apolitical know, you, fully, I would imagine some who just oh, yeah, a, 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 don't you care know, in any so, way. Yeah, this idea that as like, if only we could get the non-voters, 80 mm-hmm. million non-voters. I don't know. I think uh, these are... Uh, to quote, actually, to quote my favorite movie of all time, uh, The Prestige, I think uh, this is a, spe- a specific quote. Uh, now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. And I think that's the case here. You know, people don't, the answer is clearly right in front of you, but you'd rather be fooled. And, and which, what, is, what is the answer? Oh, well. Well, the answer is, let's just say, let's just say that, uh, you know, my dad told me, if you know something, never, (laughs) you know, uh, never tell anybody for free. If you know something, that is special. But in very, like, I'm not going to, you know, go. but if they go low, you go lower. That's the only way. So, you know, so I mean, doing rights and all this and taking it as far as needed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they go low. Uh, if when we set up our, we are by the way in the process of setting up our Patreon and <laughs> like expand. <laughs> so when I get some money, I'll I'll come up with some answers. You'll I'm give not your very giving you all the answer. goods away. <laughs> You'll give away your very disappointing answer. But I think maybe going back yeah. to the whole working class and all this and talking that way it also goes a bit counter i think something that chris hedges says which is like just build kind of coalitions around issues so you know if you're going to build like a third party around kind of issues and stuff you don't need to non non and uh, just all the time talking about like particular like but, sectors that you people that you know you should include in your party yeah i i think to be honest they they would agree with you there that yeah they probably wouldn't talk so much about working class in a meeting with, let's say, I don't know, let's say small business owners who might actually benefit from mm-hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders' policies, right? So I think they would agree with you that, yeah, the language may change in a different circumstance. But I still think it's hopeless. Yeah. Tactics. <laughs> well, and I would say, oh, by the way, I just, it's a theme of like, are we doing enough and stuff? I think the, the you know, the elites aren't doing, you know, like this expectation of the working classes to spend their whole life analyzing politicians and all that. But who are you know? the elites here that you're referring to who aren't doing enough? Like, what would you mean? 
oh, uh, including academics, academics, people who have platforms, mm-hmm. millionaires, well, multimillionaires. But multimillionaires who house. care about such a thing, though, right? Because, I mean, maybe they are active in, in what they care about and they give money. No, okay, I give you a concrete example, so I'm not, like, talking out of my ass. The guy Tom Segura or whatever his name was, he ran for presidential election in the for primary democratic primaries. I think he's the owner of a Starbucks in Seattle, actually. Okay. Uh, Tom Segura or something. This guy, man, he his whole presidential campaign was about making friends. He wanted to be Bernie Sanders' friend. <laughs> like after every debate, he was, like, "Oh, hello, Bernie. Can I say good night to you?" And like Bernie was, "Ah, good night," you know. Or Andrew <laughs> I Yang. I remember him. You know? Andrew Yang, he just, you know, why didn't Bernie Sanders, like, you know, it, uh, accept these people? Like, there are lots of multimillionaires. And I've actually, again, like, just like the non-voters, I've met some of them. And they have more socialist thinking than uh, your working man, than your average working man. But nobody seems to want to sort of bring those guys together because they are rich. Ooh, you can't but- have be rich and socialist. It's disgusting. But let's go to so I, the first person you, who you spoke about. I'm not sure. I don't know about Tom him. So Seguro, I, Tom Seguro, Tom yeah. So I, I mean, can't... it's a it was a bit of a fetishist example, but you know, uh, well, uh, it was funny that he always wanted to just be friends with. Or I think Andrew Yang would have. But yeah, Andrew Yang. Did Andrew Yang want to be friends with Bernie though, or did he? Not? I think if like if they offered him a cabinet post, he would have endorsed him before Super Tuesday, I'm, I think. And yeah. again, these people are just, you have to, the left has to realize you cannot offer people nothing. People don't do things because mm-hmm. of uh, some, that's, that's where it comes to my fundamental disagreement with most of the left, is that they're Hegelian, and Marx was a Hegelian, and they believe in dialectics, right? Which is very much influenced by German idealism. They, I mean, dialectics, most people think dialectics is two ideas hitting each other and a third idea emerging. It's not that. It's far more than that. Dialectics is a belief in a sort of a linear and arguably upward uh, trend of history. Linear a, a linear movement that as new ideas come into it sort of integrates that idea and moves forward. And he, I'm sorry, but I just don't believe that. I don't believe it. I don't view history like that. So I think yet yeah, the major problem with the left is that they don't want to give anything away. And they have a linear view of history in which history is progressive. This linear view of history is basically, most people think when you say dialectic, it's two opposing ideas coming together to form a third one. But dialectic is actually about a process of history and how in this process, according to Hegel, uh, ideas are, they come in, they challenge, and then they are incorporated into the linear linear movement of history towards the absolute. Mm-hmm. Marx made that economic, made that materialistic. I don't agree with that. So you know, I don't think necessarily things will always get better or that we have, uh, like, uh, we have moved towards a more collect, necessarily we are always improving, you know, uh, and I'm not that much, like, I'm not necessarily economically deterministic. And the left should look at the history and say, like, other junctures, how did we get to power? Mm-hmm. Or how did the leftists at that time get to power? And, you know, it's pretty again it's pretty clear so you know 
They Which should. Is... Uh, you should give up power. Like you should offer. You can't have. You can't offer politicians low money, relatively low pay compared to the people they are regulating. So you expect these senators to go and like uh, deal with Jeff Bezos when you pay them what, like two hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that? What would you expect them? They're humans, right? You have to give up power accept some level of corruption from the government at least for for a while like it's just on this is going to be the way you have to empower politicians they will clip the wings of capitalists then after that you probably they become the corrupt oligarchs themselves and then you have to probably shift sites and then clip their wings so that's how history works yeah. it's not about a linear progress to perfection in my view it's about shifting your position and i think if anybody again german idealism in my view is a, a and hegel hegelism is a very very uh, and i think hegel was a, a complete uh, fool frankly. And by the way, people who say, oh, Sam, you know, he says this guy was a fool. He was a philosopher and stuff. Schopenhauer regarded uh, uh, Hegel as a charlatan. Mm. And I pretty much subscribe to that position as well. And so I think, yeah, I'm completely in you know, good position to call him that. And this German idealism view of linear history leads you to this type of thinking, leads you to this religious beliefs in the perfection and in one day uh, you know, reaching, and in the idea of a collective consciousness of the working class or whatever class you want, or humanity, whatever collective consciousness you want to talk about. And which would be, by the way, we're going to come back to probably later. So, yeah, they, you ha they have to realize they have to give up power to leaders. And leaders have to realize they have to ask for power. Because right now, I don't think we have a, a leadership class that wants power. They don't want the responsibility. Look at our polit look at their state. They don't want Facebook. They don't want to regulate Facebook. They don't want to nationalize Facebook. They want Facebook to regulate itself. We don't want the responsibility. We mm. want to be able to call you guys whenever there is a problem, but you, we want you to regulate yourself. You know, this is nonsense. This is just nonsense. Yeah, okay. So, some interesting stuff that you're saying here, and maybe I'll comment on like- I've the been parts reading too much to lose. <laughs> the parts that I understand. But I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, some things, they move on linearly for a while and they get like better. So one, one thing gets added to another, but then yeah, it can't stop. So, I mean, I guess if you look at in the US, like labor conditions, I'm guessing they got better from like the beginning of the 19th century till perhaps like parts of post-World War II. And then they seem to have deteriorated, right? That's like one of the common arguments and that we hear on the left. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, I have one other thing that I think gets in the way of real leftism, but I don't know if that's maybe just reserved for a segment of it. So I'll get to that as well. Okay. Oh, that was great because, the, sorry, to. I just wanted to say what you mentioned, I think the progress that has been made in terms of like living, having a better quality of life is more to do with, if we want to call it technological dialectic or medical dialectic rather than with working classes and, you know, these social forces interacting. I really don't believe like there has been in, like it has, it has had to do with that rather than I think actual activity by the, so that's well, my view. But, actually, can I give one I example would, there though, that I've been hearing my whole life and I never looked into it, but this is one that sure, I went sure, to French okay. school. And then, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And I w- just after that, though, I wanted to talk about yeah, my, like, I want to give a clear, concrete thing. So I'm not talking about, okay, let me just say this thing. Look, working class, if you like Deleuze, in my view, is probably the best postmodernist philosopher, pro- one of the best philosophers, best reading of Nietzsche, Hume, all of that, right? Deleuze talks about that, you know, reality, uh, like the physical reality and our ideas are always into interaction and blah, 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 blah. A lot of technical jargon work. But what he's getting into, look, re- working class doesn't exist. It's not an actualized, it's not an actualized class. It's an imposition that we are putting on reality. But the elite class, they are actualized. How do I mean? They go to same universities, they work at similar places, they hang out in the same areas. They are act- and they are organized. They are far more organized than working class. So they're an actualized class. So to get change, we have to work with this actualized gla- class to realize, to come to reality, the working class, which is right now is just the imposition on reality. It's not reality. There is no working class actualized. It's just the idea. So, sorry. Okay, very interesting. I mean, I would say that there is definitely a working class and someone could point out to a neighborhood or to a city and, you know, people from the same kind of social class live there and they all typically go to the same workplace or like you know to similar workplaces so i think in that sense you can't say that there's actual class now whether they are politicized and i mean people could you know if they try to i guess get unions and you know union efforts going so i guess you could say they're politicized in that way now whether they are fully politicized in this socialist way or leftist way that we claim besides things that meet their interests which is completely fine we're all we all want to improve our, our own material conditions and everything. But yeah, so I mean, I would say that. What, what would you make with that? No, I agree with you. But I would say you, what you're saying is that they are actualized at a very, very local and atomized level, while the global elites, the uh, lo- rulers of both nations and the international economy, they are actualized both at the local and international level. So uh, still, I would say, because I have this sort of thing about that, you know, right now, majority of the working class are actually in the third world or developing Mm -hmm. world. So I would say you need to have an international like perspective. So that's where I come from. But you're right. You're completely right. At a state, city, uh, even maybe national level, you, of course, there is an actual working class. You're right. I was being a bit maybe too general in my but um, so let me tell you about this example that the working yeah, class exactly. I've heard my whole life on this. So in France, they're like when I was in school, um, when I was going to French school, they were very proud of the fact. And I never looked this up. But this was a thing that was told all the time about, you know, France has workers started to get kind of holidays like before there were no holidays. And then, you know, it was some, some point in 19th century, if I'm not mistaken, that workers got holidays and they were the ones who made that happen through strikes and protests and all these kind of things. So this is like um, one example that, you know, and I'm sure there are other ones. I mean, you just said that the working class in other countries and third world countries, there are big parts we've talked about in India, the strikes that the farmers did and all this. So, I mean, there are all these kind of examples, I think. Where, But then again, is that a simple, is that like a too much of, you know, simple version of the story a simplified one so in france were there also other groups who helped and worked on this and made this achieved together was it 
um, you know, only these people. Or, yeah. I, I really don't know about the specific example that you gave of France, but every specific example, and I've read a lot about revolutions, like uh, if anybody's in, and state formation, like Charles Tilly's book is amazing. Theoda Scotchpole, she does this great comparative study of the Russian, uh, Chinese, and Cuban and Iranian revolution. She's considered the, uh, one of the best people on revolutions and social change and all that. And in every case, what I came across was that the working class or the masses or the groups of the people, they were manipulated by the elites. I mean, they were it... always manipulated for the elites or, or as Charles Tilly would say, the state would collapse. Or I think, uh, you know, it was a case of a state like Soviet Union. The collapse of Soviet Union wasn't people of Soviet Union going out and, you know, uh, rioting. And then it, it, this, is a, this is a joke. That's a dream. The real collapse happened when Yeltsin... Uh, and the president of Ukraine, and I believe president of Belarus, uh, they met and they decided that they're not going to basically listen to Gorbachev anymore. That's what happened. So I don't think masses, because they are, again, it's uh, un unless you have an organization. I, I, and this is, by the way, we're going to connect this. This connects very well to Kazakhstan story, because what at first seemed to be you know, popular protest and may have been very quickly turned into a sort of a semi-coup plan so you know I, I just don't think I, I don't know but i don't know about the specific example you gave so i might be wrong on that so yeah actually let's put that example aside and i'll give one more example after but you just gave four very good examples so you give russia um, china cuba and uh, let's put aside iran but these are yeah these are three examples that i think even the mainstream i don't know narrative... that's I, i'm not, i i just want to say i read the russian uh, what, uh, the Russian, French, Iranian revolution is specifically Cuba and China far less. So, yeah, me too. But I've heard the official narrative, and the official narrative on the left and other parts as well is that you know these revolutions in these countries were guided very much or led by kind of like vanguard groups. And I think in Lenin's politics and stuff, like he he believes in like a vanguard group, right? Like bringing about change and leading sure, it change. yeah so these are all examples but then someone on the left can easily criticize and be like well when it happens that way then it doesn't give you what you want right like if professor richard wolf was here he would say like yeah maybe we like to call china as being socialist or communist but that's definitely not what we want that's state-led capitalism but and they don't Marx, have cooperatives and all these kinds even, of things but yeah, even though Marx was somewhat, in my view, sadly, uh, like he believed in German idealism, but even he also believed in a step, like he, I mean, in fact, I, I would say, I, I think he was, because he was contained to Europe, he didn't know his, he didn't know history of Asia, and this is, I think, very much evident in his writings about India, he didn't understand that capitalism was, it has already happened in Asia for like mm. thousands of years. We didn't need a steam engine to get there. But uh, uh, so, you know, uh, he believed that you, for example, there is feudalism and then capitalism and then Marxism. This was, this is his theory. I'm not talking about the communist manifesto. I'm talking about das capital, right? So it's a historical materialism that evolves, right? 
that evolves or changes dialectical blah 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 right so even he didn't believe that you can get to like paradise suddenly by everybody uh, you know his famous sentence that you know people look at their chains and blah 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 he believed in he talks about the dictatorship of the proletarians and i think by the way we are right now in that state if i was if i was a bit like more marxist if i was a bit more fan of marx i would say so he believes in a step by step he doesn't believe in you know just suddenly people waking up which some people seem to believe Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's true so i have another so i'm I'm saying by the way i'm just saying that if we do what we have a vanguard party and stuff they're going to do a lot of shitty things but it will still be worth it like soviet union with all their shitty things they did they did a lot of good there growth uh, economic growth was even higher than U- u.s i mean they went to a space before the u.s i mean that's the whole re- reason why america got really scared and went to the moon yeah yeah so i think just the combination of you know trying to expand the kind of who can help out to bring change from yeah beyond kind of working um, working class and kind of you know just trying to bring in other stakeholders or just like expand the definition a bit or maybe speaking about differently um, could be interesting. But I have another thing that I think gets in the way of leftists and socialism. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. And maybe this isn't like, maybe this isn't the abstract that leftists work like this. And maybe one way to get around it is to really focus on specific issues as Chris Hedges has himself suggested. So forget what are people's political leanings and all that and just work on specific issues like healthcare and all this, which is on the left, like left for me. And like, especially if you talk about Marxism and all this has always been associated with me and to me, at least with being like critical and like thinking critically, whereas on the right, and maybe this is again, a very simplified picture it is less about being perhaps critical and being kind of more conforming to the overall idea. Do you think this is not something that that gets in the way of the left? Like for instance, Andrew Yang, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, perhaps even more. Hey, Andrew Yang has a good UBI idea and stuff, but we're like unable to like blindly go behind Andrew Yang because, you know, he'll do something else And, you know, that is that whole relationship, like what he did on Israel and Palestine, that whole relationship falls apart. So isn't it like being critical and like always arguing or maybe I'm just like this? Isn't that like at the heart of like leftism and socialism? No, no. Well, I agree. I mean, it's famous in the the life of Brian. You know, you have the, for example, the Liberation Front of Judea and the Judea's Liberation Front. And the front of uh, Judea's, uh, you know, like dispossessed. You have all <laughs> these different leftist groups that are fighting with each other and all that. So I think, yeah, that's true. But I think that may be a reflection of, by the way, it's partially a reflection of the fact that right wing, traditionally, yeah, I think they're more conformists because uh, just, you know, they have, re- for example, if you're right wing, you're more, more likely to be religion. So you're more likely to believe in a religious figure, right? So you're you're used to that type of relationship. But I do think the left, the lack of money, helps. You know, if there was one big organization, like if there were people like Koch brothers funding left wing groups, maybe they would have been a bit more 
uh, there wouldn't be so much division within them. In terms of uh, like Andrew Yang and stuff, I don't think that matters. If you have more money, people come to you. It doesn't like, I don't think if you be like, you know what, like I, I'm not necessarily against tribalism. I don't believe in this approach of like bringing people back together and all that, you know, so. I see. I mean, yeah. I just I mean, think that's, that's always I, I, I one agree. thing that will get, yeah, that I feel like, you know, gets in the way of left-wing politics, which is this. What one. gets in the way of left-wing politics is really lack of action. And by action, I mean, like, come on, just form secret societies in your companies. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who work in Google or Microsoft or blah, 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 and they generally have, like, very socialist tendencies and all mm-hmm. that. Form secret societies when you become a CEO change the rules you know that's that's as concrete as we can get right now there is no leverage point within the pol- electoral political system right now there was two years ago but right now you know it is what it is yeah i mean i'm already dreading the whole um you know when the next election comes lesser of the two evils yeah uh, I oh mean, did, you, did you hear about the least cheney and hillary clinton oh idea? my god these things are I mean, I don't know the guy. He wrote the opinion piece about like Hillary. I don't know how he wrote that with Thomas a straight Friedman. face. Oh my god! With a straight face, he's I like, you know, bring change, is... and she can bring change. I'm like, what? What world? Are you... Can you at least pick one person that everybody doesn't know everything about and knows what you're saying is absolute bullshit? Exactly. Can you <laughs> pick someone yeah, obscure? It's like, a... <laughs> it's like no Hillary yeah, Clinton. Like... <laughs> again, it's the leadership is just. This is the like in. Again, I don't, that's the thing. Historically speaking, you do come to these eras that the leadership is just, for example, there is a period in ancient Iran when you have like within two years, like 15 kings change mm-hmm. and they all suck. And, you know, you know, and it's just come on, just maybe it's time to, you know, you know, go out of the leadership gene pool a bit. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. I yeah. can't believe Thomas Friedman is paid. I mean, how is he? I mean, his opinion piece kind of read, it was an opinion piece, but read like a live coverage of like Hillary actually being like <laughs> in the election right now. It read like a press release slash like live course. Uh, right now, she's like three points behind or something. It hasn't even started. How are you covering it in this? Way? You know, it wasn't like an opinion piece I thought would have to be a bit different, but it was just, I guess his opinion was that Hillary should run. And then from there on, he just like... <laughs> turn it into like a normal coverage of Hillary. I mean, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, again, seeing Hillary Clinton's face. Uh, running saddest for who? For us. Everyone. For everyone. <laughs> I, I don't understand her as well. You have so much money. Go have fun. Or what is wrong with these people? I mean, the uh, wants to be president. Be some... Yeah, she... I know. Which really is... bad. And why? It's such a shitty job. It's largely ceremonial. What you do is you pardon a turkey, you <laughs> shake hands with the Easter bunny. That's your job. It's not a fun job. She wants that and maybe attack some countries and yeah, pull yeah, out some true. more yeah, quotes. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Some about get some contracts and... going in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I swear. Lesser of two evils would be Biden versus Hillary. <laughs> I think Biden really definitely, is. Yeah, definitely. Democrats and Republicans, there's no difference. But he might, I'll he might pick pull Joe out of Germany. <laughs> he might pull out of Germany yeah. just because he's just 
I don't remember. Why did we go to Germany? <laughs> I swear to God, she is the world's biggest evil. She's like American politics. And in the article, there's this line that's so funny. It says, even her husband, Bill Clinton, is like rooting for her now. I was like, why even? Is it because no, you that's know how much especially, they hate each other? <laughs> no, especially Bill Clinton, besides the fact that they hate each other, every time she runs for office, the poor Bill's, poor Bill, poor Bill, poor Bill's sexual allegations all come back to limelight. And, you know, oh, God damn it. But him, it's not even, they don't even... It's like as if yeah, it like washes away of him like anything else, you know? Like with even the Jeffrey Epstein I, thing, he's the only one, like, you know, they could line everybody up and be like, guilty, guilty, guilty. Hey, you're good. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> mainstream, yeah, yeah, mainstream. He's just no, next it's level unbelievable. worth of it is protection. So. Yeah, yeah. He's on the, yeah. I, yeah, it's unbelievably that how, like, he's this. No, but he was flawed. Oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, no, it's a fun one. But yeah, and I don't know if this whole story, if we did mention the fact that <laughs> the whole AOC things and her, like you know, leaving these, <laughs> leaving these Amazon oh, yeah, workers who she had promised. That, yeah. yeah. No, you <laughs> so teased she, it. Oh, I teased it. What so, is yeah. the? What was the? So you I, know what? I didn't read, the, watch the whole thing. Was it a big national union? What was it? No, I, I don't know how big they were or what. But I listened to the breaking point story, and basically this part of this one Amazon factory or multiple parts of them or whatever, they had spoken with AOC and she had apparently like agreed on everything that, you know, we're, I'll come and join you guys as you go and, and strike and everything, you know, I guess at least for one little show up or something. And yeah, she completed and do that. And then apparently they had their second set of strikes and everything. And this time they just forgot about her, didn't even invite her. Cause I mean, <laughs> if you didn't show up the first time that you promised you're not gonna come again so i believe uh, did she did she oh she like did she stand them up on the day do you know like or was it like she said oh a week before sorry yeah that that part of the detail i don't know (laughs) that feels a bit of a pet yet i don't like i'm not a fan of asc but i don't know like what was her excuse was that discussed i i think she i I feel like that matters i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure she just like didn't really give a response and it was just like oh fully just kind okay. of ghosted. If, she, if she ghosted them yeah, yeah that's, that's what i got from listening to the breaking point segment and you know ties well in with the whole changing the thing from inside and stuff and i mean i feel like aoc has become so irrelevant in a way i feel like nobody even yeah on like the left and like you know the left youtube world and all this people don't even bring her yes, up I- anymore you remember five months ago it was all about AOC abandoning us, AOC not doing this and that. Now it's just like well, it's yes, yeah, she's abandoned. Guys, let's go. Yeah, I think I think the build back better uh first becoming like one tenth of what it was, then just not passing. Yeah, uh, they were everything just like that's I think why the discussion last uh, night with Brianna was fantastic because she was uh, talking about, I think if there is a potential, even a small potential, uh, like if anybody, like they should primary Biden. Like this is ridiculous. They're like a spitting in the face of the- But who should primary Biden? I mean, sometimes I hear the word left and that just means Democrats. So, I mean, Bernie should primary. There is no politician they have on the national stage that is even close to Bernie Mm -hmm. in terms of, 
like uh, like international or domestic politics like Benny, or again like find somebody who's Ed Markey he might be good he might because he's the type of politician who would be willing to change for power you know that I don't know I don't know but I mean yeah the Bernie Sanders one yeah I mean Bernie Sanders he'll of course make the election you know fun again but I mean the Democrats I mean not only is there nobody from the left that I hear who can like challenge Biden a primary in that way except let's say Bernie Sanders The Democrats also don't seem to have like Democrats, Democrats, and never call them left. Like the Democrats, they also don't seem to have really anybody except to really challenge Joe Biden. So even if his approval ratings are so, going down, again, they just do, need to do the do, same trick and just again or or yeah, I mean to be honest, but that's their problem. Look at, like okay, let's say you can't get Bernie to run. do a third party and Je jesse venture there are so many people and they all that's what's annoying in the but, u.s they constantly are talking to each other online just go set up a political party but unless things change it's too late now though i, I don't think you can in two years like you know bringing a third per party person to a position that he can maneuver all the democrat and republicans control over like you know the debates and everything i think To me, it sounds like more like what Shama someone was saying. It's much more long term than than that. Right I now, if you put all your efforts no. into getting somebody ready instead of focusing on like building the movement and all this, if you just focus on Man. getting someone ready for the elections in two to three years, all that's going to happen is that they're going to get one percent of the vote, and you know it's going to be another Green Party kind of thing, and that's it. I disagree. I say that actually, it's uh, to be honest, it's. Actually, first of all, I would say the long-term thing, again, long-term because they can't prove causality and it's extremely hard to prove or disapprove causality. People are always going on about long-term, long-term. I don't know. So I, I think that's bad. But uh, in terms of like, again, get somebody like Jesse Venture, get somebody like, I don't know, Joe Rogan even, somebody like that, you know? It's, it's not that difficult, man. Get somebody who's a celebrity like Trump and he will crush them because uh, like nobody cares about like political party uh, and that type of thing, you know? Yeah, so well. I, it, it, Ron, do you know why Ross Perot, by the way, in 90s did well? Because there was nationalized television debates. I mean, there was, and he managed to get the 10% to make it to that debate. So, you know, not like during Nixon, Kennedy, where it was just two of them. So, you know, as soon as you get the limelight, and there are so many people who seem to have the limelight, they are every week, they're talking to each other online and offline and blah, blah, blah. So why don't you just set up a party? Set up a national party? No, let's go to the local level. At the village level, we're going to start. okay yeah i mean i think but they tried that with bernie sanders and i mean yeah and he, he got close look, he was close he was as yeah, good was but i mean once he was done though they were kind of at the same back to square one in many ways like sure he introduced some ideas yeah. some things but... i would the bernie really i must say the, the way he just were after covid especially the way he went along with them was mm -hmm. surprisingly It was disappointing, although he's of a certain age, he's got past and all that. But yeah, you should, that's the thing though. You have to, again, as Kierkegaard would say, you have to take a leap of faith. You have to gamble on people. You have to gamble on your leaders. And they will eventually probably long enough to become the villain. But that's all you have to do. You know, everybody lives long enough to become the villain. You know, unless you become a martyr, of course. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's just a very tough thing. And then, yeah, it's even a tough thing to like talk about and stuff. Kind of ideas are all over the place. A lot of hypotheticals. A lot of, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I you can also do both, you know, like, yeah, getting someone, some kind oh, of, of leftist celebrity ready. Of course. But then if I'm... the leftist celebrity is just built onto that camp, onto, you know, the next election, and then after that, it's all over and you don't talk about it or there's nothing to support it, then like every time you just... No, I know, I know what yeah. you mean. Which no, is no, what happened with course... Bernie Sanders, right? And everybody agrees that. I... Again, I think we are we are all and with Chris Hedges and the lady, we are all like ninety percent on the same page. We just I'm talking about the focus. Focus yeah. should be more on something. Of course, you have to. You should do like you should, as in like in my view, uh, all of them, and you know, try to local. Uh, pro, you know, all politics is local. All politics is global. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But that's my exact point with the whole left, right? Like. <laughs> and leftism and socialism this 10% we can discuss about this 10% disagree <laughs> forever <laughs> I, because to be I i'm just trying to find I new hope... angles to discuss no, right. and debate it more. i'm the worst you're right you're right I, I would say i would say it's just because yeah we are the people on like you want to have a good it, i hope people it's not ill intentioned or you know it's because, yeah, exactly. Because the left is actually after the truth, I suppose. And they yeah. want to move the discussion forward. So they can't, yeah, they're not just like, yeah, they can't have a hive mind like some people. So, yeah, you're, I think, yeah, just we can forever talk. <laughs> what is it? There was a good word for it. The, 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 the pathology of a small differences or something. The, Sounds the like something Chris has. Hedges would say. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, there is a famous quote or something. (laughs) Just find one point of disagreement. But yeah, so we talked about um, AOC, um, if I understood the story correctly, ghosting Amazon (laughs) workers. Let's move on, I think, to our next story. I think we've done about all this, about um, Kyle Kalinske and Crystal Ball getting ghosted by (laughs) Jordan Peterson. Apparently... Jordan Peterson was supposed to go on secular, uh, well, not secular, talk, on uh, Crystal, Kyle, Yogi, and friends. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then, and friends and others. And uh, yeah, they, but apparently he uh, sort of bailed on them and yeah. said that I have a book tour or something and I can't come maybe later. So that was very sad, I think. I well, his know, assistant. Yeah, his assistant. Oh, yeah. Not told them, <laughs> told them like, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. And apparently, <laughs> yeah, that he's going on a long, extensive book tour and even rebooking him. We can talk about it now, maybe in June or something. We can see about that. He's just going to be really busy for now. And yeah, <laughs> and poor Crystal. I mean, maybe Kyle too, but I thought only Crystal. She read two of his books and Kyle oh, said man, he watched poor. like a lot of a lot like I, thousands I, of videos although kyle loves to say how much he, he had that more agreements when it comes to psychology as you might think but when it comes to things on the left which yeah i don't know that much about his psychology stuff and all this i mean <laughs> well as somebody as somebody who read a lot of his writing maps of meaning and some of 12 rules for life and some of the beyond thing man yeah it's and i read a lot of criticisms a lot of in praise well whatever 
yeah, it's just, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised they agree on a lot of psychology. <laughs> but yes. Well, I was, but... I was surprised he bailed, though. I thought that's like he would welcome such a challenge. And what was one topic that apparently was his idea to talk about? And they were like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a good Transgender idea. Transgender issues, I think. That's his main yeah, sexuality, yeah. sexual identity. That Yeah, yeah. No, it would have been some great content for us too. So he also screwed us over. Yeah, so. yeah. That's <laughs> so thanks that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, man, every time that We're like at the bottom of the food chain. So these guys need to get the end. <laughs> when the crumbs, you know, when the big dogs are done eating the food, whatever's left, we can <laughs> make like, a video no, on it. It's like the lion and hyena <laughs> and like some random dogs get us. <laughs> we, we just, we boil the bones to have a soup. <laughs> yeah, so but, uh, thanks a lot, Jordan uh, Pearson. You just <laughs> took content sure. away from <laughs> 10 YouTubers. <laughs> and he screwed us all over for the month we, of January. We could be, yeah, we could have been having like uh, two subscribers per episode, my yeah. guy. <laughs> so thanks a lot. <laughs> That's true. But I must say there seemed to be a bit of a poetic justice. Uh, as you recall, they are they ghosted uh, Jimmy Dora. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, interview. this is much worse. If we this take is, the official no, that, one. that was Sorry, sorry, sorry. That, that one's much worse. That one sorry, was much said. worse. Uh, yeah, like the day of the interview canceling and yeah, yeah th- th- this is like yeah it's not poetic it's like poetic semi-justice yeah well not even on the day based on jimmy Dore's story and kyle didn't deny that even on the day they didn't and it's and it's oh, jimmy door who texted day? no jimmy door texted is like oh, i'm G- ready yeah, 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 and yeah. only a few hours later and kyle's excuse was that they were busy recording some other thing but that's not an excuse. <laughs> it's just like further justifies like, that you. you yeah, that's like, yeah. But hey, maybe it's I'll like defend- coming coming late to work and saying, "Yeah, I slept." But hey, I might defend Kyle a little bit at the when we do our tweets. Um, oh, in his really, little, we have tweets by him. Nice. Well, yeah, the Jimmy Dore thing. The Jimmy Dore. Oh, I heard about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. All so because right, okay, nice. tend to say just make fun of kyle a lot here but <laughs> comes from a good place yeah, yeah. but yeah I'm and since not so much me but... yeah no <laughs> at least for me it does. i i i don't have a good place <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's like it's hard to co- come from it you know like, go ahead go ahead but yeah so you mentioned that you've been you know reading about uh, jordan peterson this and that so what happened to this video that you had promised to make on Jordan? Yeah. You defeated the Jordan Peterson defeat you. <laughs> Jordan Peterson's writing certainly <laughs> defeated me. I am just oh god, so many hard words I know, but for no reason. But yeah, he uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. So that's not happening. Yeah, no man, this is. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do a proper like. I'm gonna do a very brief response. But hopefully, I might write something about that and put it on our stuff. So maybe something like that. So earn some real money. But um, no, I I, I want to give a. First of all, I wanted to say I kind of thought it's redundant to do a video because if you're interested in criticism of his po- politics and economy specifically. Jacobin uh, has a great video with the author of this book, 
uh, myths and mayhem. So that's there. And, uh, you know, the book and the video, I think, are fantastic. Uh, the book, I only looked oh, at. Oh, I'm going to watch that. You didn't tell me about that before. Myths and mayhem? Oh, yeah, I think. And then if you're looking at psychology and philosophical stuff, Plastic Pill, I believe it's called. It's a fantastic channel on philosophy and stuff. They have a great uh, video about uh, Jordan Peterson versus Deleuze. Somebody who, by the way, he, I think he, well, surprising and I guess maybe on purpose, he never mentioned Mm. in among his postmodern French things. But after reading a lot of his, and uh, it was actually very useful, though. It made me go back and read a lot about metaphysics and ontology, because when you want to criticize someone, you want to criticize them properly, right? Uh, And you want to, you don't want to, you know, you want to understand their thinking. You want to understand your enemy's thinking first before you attack, right? So, and the more I read of him, that's why I had to go back to metaphysics and ontology. The more I read him, the less I understood. <laughs> and the, the, I, that's the thing. He doesn't have an ontology. He doesn't really, his ontology is a, he, it seems to me, I mean, the closest thing to ontology or metaphysics he has is Christian beliefs and, and his own interpretation. So he thinks his own interpretations are the concrete facts. Like, for example, he gives a, he gives, he believes this is to be really true that, you know, the a snake image that the snakes sort of, uh, it's sort yeah. of, it's an image of medicine from ancient times. That's a representation of DNA from ancient times. Like that may have people with like psychedelics or something may have had a glimpse into or something. So uh, he has this, so he, he criticizes the postmodernists for saying that uh, interpret, like one thing can be interpreted in many different ways, right? But uh, he, and he, sometimes he says oh, that's somewhat true, but then he goes back to the fact that his interpretation is true. So, no, the, I mean, that's why I, I can't even, you know, that's why I hated reading him and I hate criticizing him even because there is no consistency with him. He, he's a, somebody who changes methodologies, epistemologies, uh, and he changes fields like every second he moves on from history to neurology and then suddenly goes from an interpretive method of uh, you know uh, uh, approaching data to a very empirical way of approaching data and and by and he constantly he constantly builds a straw man which is uh, like Soviet Union is one example, big example. He, the, I, I highly recommend, I'm giving a f- a specific references now. Check out his lecture, first lecture on maps of meaning. It's on YouTube. And in that, he talks about Soviet Union. He doesn't know anything about history of Soviet Union. He doesn't, under, he has no knowledge of that. And he feels free to talk about it as if he's um, if he knows anything about it. He talks to Joe Rogan about it, another specific example. And he says, in these days, young people are not taught the horrors of the Soviet Union. These days, blah, blah, blah. You are not taught anything about history. I am sorry, but you don't know anything about history. And if you are making claims that he's making, you should have at least some knowledge of it or at least have some references. He never references anything. Everything is presented when he says it. Everything is a fact. And then 
besides a straw manning, he's, I'm sorry, but he's a very, uh, he's just extremely rude person, a rude, uh, somebody who's so, and in my view as a sort of a, I, I, you know, rudeness is almost equal to evil for me, but he's extremely rude to people he wants to criticize. For example, Michel Foucault, about Michel Foucault, a specific quote, a more reprehensible individual you could hardly ever discover or even dream of, no matter how twisted your imagination. I mean, uh, Jack, Jacques uh, Derrida most trenchantly formulated the anti-Western philosophy that is being pursued so assiduously by the radical left. I mean, this is just inaccurate. I mean, I'm sorry, but you don't know anything about history. You don't know anything about French post-modernist uh, philosophers. Clearly, you have no knowledge of them. They didn't just come. For, I mean, the way he talks to Joe Rogan, uh, he says that, yeah, by the 1960s, or the 1960s, even the post-modernist uh, Marxists had found out that you can't put up the charades. Marxism is so reprehensible in its actual form, so disgusting, as if like, what do you, what do you think was happening in 1950s? and 60s around the world. What do you think was happening in India or in China or in America? I'm, I'm sorry, but this, is, this guy is just, he has no perspective. He's rude to the people he criticizes. He's a reductionist of the worst kind, reducing everything to, oh, look at the lobsters and how lobsters go about their life. Some analogies may be useful in a very context specific examples, but we are not lobsters, we are humans. And the golden rule, he talks about the golden rule, uh, largely credited Will, Will, Pareto, Wilfredo Pareto, I believe, discovered it. And he discovered it how? He did a goddamn empirical study of, uh, of all the land, I believe, in Italy and was it, I think in Italy and sort of central Europe somewhere. So, you know, he did an empirical study and then he said, yeah, we find this distribution. And then he made some, I believe, wrong uh, conclusions based on that. So, you know, just saying that, yeah, there is this rule, there is this 20, 80% rule, there is this rule, there is this rule. Okay, so what? Based on what and how should we deal with that uh, rule? I mean, the, the, again, his worst crime is hopping methodologies and epistemologies and metaphysics whenever he wishes. He's the cherry picker of the worst kind. He's the cherry picker of the worst guy. And, uh, and oh, his interpretations are definitive. And the reason why I think he's also probably not an honest actor is because he changes his, like when he's talking to some lads on a very small YouTube channel that are very meat-heady and all that, he talks about how, oh, Disney is trying, you know, it's trying to say that in a society where men, if not enough men are, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, it's uh, all good. I, I, I need to change my headphones. He says, yeah, qu uh, he says that, yeah, in a society where men, a large number of men are not having sex, what happens? What do you think happens? More rape. What the <laughs> fuck? What the hell is that? I'm sorry, but that's your thinking. Yeah. That's your thinking. 
you have, and by the way, what is the society that sex? I mean, I'm sorry, but what is like? How do we know how? When did you study that? How many cases studies do you have? Man. What because you had two clinical uh, patients? Now we have to believe you. And I looked at his uh, studies as well. Most of his papers are about clinical studies to do with alcoholism and that type of thing. It's uh, he's not he's not who he pretends to be. He has no idea about history, philosophy. And he subscribes to a Jungian perspective that is in history and philosophy is largely dismissed because it's pretty much mysticism. There is no scientific basis for archetypes. Jung changes ideas about younger types constantly. You might find it useful in your life. Some psychiatrists and psychologists might find it useful, but there is a significant number of psychologists, psychiatrists, historians, philosophers that dismiss that as mysticism and nonsense. So here, man, here's my two cents. Man, I got to say, I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm your co-host, but you guys know we always disagree oh, on this show. Oh, okay, sorry about that. Sam has uh, put on a different set of headphones now. But yeah, people on this channel know that all we do is argue about everything and anything. So I'm not just saying this because I'm your co-host, but everything that you said made complete sense to me and kind of like is just made me realize like in better ways like kind of what from what I've seen what I think about him and also I mean I've also heard like other people make these complete uh, these other criticisms that you have and I must say it was also <laughs> I wrote this down so I don't forget it was more precise and convincing than I thought you were going to be so oh, so good job there but yeah in the past month that makes one of us <laughs> so in the past month that you know jordan peterson has entered our lives so i've also read a little bit of his book okay so i'm not claiming i, I read everything i read a little bit book as 12 rules of life i mean that first chapter lobsters is insane and i've listened to another like five or ten videos of his. so that's as far as i go so yeah i'm not an expert on everything he does for from that but Based on what I have seen, everything that you say makes sense. And I've also heard, of course, others make this criticisms. And just like a few things I wanted to like, that really resonated with me, what you said. First of all, he's, you said like, you know, he doesn't know everything and that's fine. Most people don't know everything, but he tries to come off with that, like, you know, impression. But they don't comment on yeah, as everything if, so so absolutely, so, yeah. right? So absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. so absolutely. you can comment yes. about something and then be like, like in our previous segment, I said five times, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is what I've heard from before. You know, it's just so I admit that, you know, so many of the things that we talk about, they're just things that we've been told a few times and haven't really um, looked up, looked into it and stuff. So as long as you can admit it that way, it's fine. But some of the other stuff that you said, you know, when you were talking about ontology and all this, so I mean, I'll even make it more simple I found them to change the meaning of words or like concepts without providing That's what I mean. yeah. where he comes up with that. And the easiest one that comes to my mind is that Oz, uh, that Dr. Oz interview, he asked them, are you more towards the left and the right? And the right, he kind of equates it like conservatism with being like or traditionalism, uh, you know, even the words traditionalism and stuff. So I'm like, fine, I kind of get what you mean. But being on the left means being creative. So like, I mean, like I've never heard that in other ways. Maybe there's a literature, other places, but he just puts his own different meanings and definition on places that yeah, he wants. Yeah, uh, famously, uh, as you know, Hitler was a painter. 
<laughs> so exactly he'll just say and then he constantly this one was a good one he like constantly builds like an opponent and like or a person like and that's Strong his man. premise and he goes from there so we had even shared this great comment that someone had put under one of Kyle Kalitsky's um, videos a bit where he's like you know he like pretends that anybody who has left his ideas or like the people who he has debated with at his university so he'll no, bring man. them wait, up wait. he'll he like it's worse. Put the, he puts these people and then from there on he goes so and then from there he can just build his argument so it seems like he's being very relevant and like speaking to this like very dominant group of people that are out there but no you've just built like this fake kind of opponent and then you take fake their yeah. views you take their views and prescribe it to a much bigger group of people and then take it from there it's it's actually pretty like smart idea so his his thoughts don't seem like he's talking for no reason. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's pointing out this, you know, very serious group of people and stuff in society or this dominant or big group of people that exist in the way that he's saying. So everything that he's saying is very important. These are like some of the things that you really said that really um, resonated with me. And also he talks about everything and anything. So really the best way of criticizing him in one way is just to like, watch his video watch his segment or something and bring that up and talk about that so yeah he has this field of psychology where yeah he is, that's where he is was... an expert i mean one however you want to say it he is an expert in the sense that he has all the degrees and all the things that qualify you as being an expert in this area but then he also comments about everything and anything else so when you kind of bring vague criticisms towards him they're kind of hard so you just have to like be like okay here he talked about this let's tackle this right because yeah he'll talk about everything from the soviet union to like you know men not having sex now or having too much sex or um or who knows what no that's the thing because he doesn't have a systematic he has systematic answers mm. but he doesn't have a systematic thinking right he has systematic solution his systematic solution by the way is nothing new it's stoicism it's all the religions pro- practically mm-hmm. that you basically you ignore you try to focus on your immediate surrounding there is nothing fucking genius about that right that's his 12 let's what it boils down to and some hatred for women i believe mm-hmm. so uh he's i mean the thing that really shocked me because i only had seen him on joe rogan maybe once or twice and on channel oh i had seen him on channel four and stuff his lack of humility, man. Mm. I have never seen somebody. I I hope that I I like to make fun of myself the most, and mm. I'm the biggest idiot in the world, and that's why I like to call out other idiots who are slightly smaller idiots than me. But uh, this guy, his lack of humility, and his generalization is just after two videos, you realize he's uh, he's either really stupid or he's a charlatan. Mm. I mean, it's I mean he's a boomer really so whatever but uh, it's just it's ridiculous the like the, the statements are made in such a i, I mean it's ridiculous it's yeah, ridiculous that's confidence. why i couldn't make it yeah how can you make a systematic uh, criticism of somebody who it's just basically going based on a based on a single maybe reading of history mm-hmm that he was told by his dad. I mean, and I mean, the guy, I watched his debate with the Shlavo Zizek. 
he's come to debate about Marx and all he's read is Communist Manifesto. And this is the second time he's read that after Stop. like I mean, years. I will, I say that, I, you know, I haven't read that much Marx. Capital. Yeah, I, I say I haven't really read that much Marx, Marx, Marx. Who can? But that doesn't count. Everybody's read Communist <laughs> Manifesto. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't graduate a social science has... undergrad in North America without reading Communist Manifesto. I mean, so... Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's like Weber's protest on ethics. It's the it's the, there are a couple of like concepts yeah, books. It doesn't count. It's like saying you watch think, a movie, but you've seen just like a trailer. Like yeah, in the end, I think Mr. Peterson didn't really add it up to much. But another liberal religion, you know, in a age of like post superstitious age, and when we can't believe in you know religion as external, you know. All that, it's all just re- liberal religions that if, and it's all about personal virtue and, mm. you know, focusing on yourself. You know, if you're a work, real working class person who's, for example, has to support, let's say, six people, three of them who are having like physical problems, two of them who have mental problems, or, you know, you live in such a family or in, you don't have the luxury to, you know, for example, you know, focus on tidying your room like you like you jump out of your room to go to the factory and you go back at I mean, it's just yeah it's just for liberals to wallow in their own sad little life uh, it's, yeah. i mean one thing that is consistent about him though that i've found is he definitely really doesn't like and hate anybody or anything to his left so because i because i've even heard him like bring up things and he's like talking and making half sense but it moves on to his agenda of like and this is what the left doesn't tell you like i've seen the video where he complains about um people not knowing the a lot of the horrors of the 20th century and only knowing you know about hitler and it's it's like partially true but it's not like you know people know a lot people know yeah. a lot more than he's saying and he also groups Famously- some of them in weird ways so he just um, and he groups them in weird ways but and then he you know i thought he was just making a kind of like um argument against the educational system i guess not being that good and all that but he kind of lays the blame of all that on the left so like and i don't know when the left has been in power like in the in like u.s or canada to like come up with the yeah, educational fu- system I mean- but that's consistent in his things that everything kind of leads to like you know utopian leftists who have kind of you know either not told you the truth or they've distorted it or they've ruined stuff that's like one common aspect of a lot of his thinking and speaking based on what i've seen and it's yeah and and it's complete nonsense i mean yes the people love stalin they think he's fantastic i mean come on or like yeah left or like let me tell you something about mao I've been like into politics oh. and leftist for 11, 12 years. The only time someone brought up the word Mao was um, uh, was uh, Norman Finkelstein saying that how, you know, he fell into that cult when he was a kid. So, you know, he pretends that people on the left, you know, were everyone's oh, about I, Stalin and all this. Uh, man, so he constantly food. exactly builds non-existent opponents enemies. you know enemies Bullshit. Yeah. no he talks about postmodernists saw that you can't defend marxism anymore so they shifted their foucault and derrida all of these people are critical of stalinism from very beginning and he talks about i 
oh, he has that beat, this guy, man. He says, oh, I read Foucault and I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. Anybody who does applied sciences knows that, you know, when you do science, it's a mixture of uh, social factors and, uh, you know, uh, chemical imbalances yeah. and all that. And Foucault was writing in 1960s, you mm -hmm. dimwit. He wasn't writing now. It's like me reading about Galileo now and saying, mm -hmm. this idiot, he's, he's <laughs> saying that Earth moves around the sun. Oh, no shit, Sherlock. Of yeah. course I know that. You know, what are you talking about? Do you not understand how history works? So, yeah, he's, I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, just complete nonsense. Complete nonsense. Waste of my time. Although it did lead to me reading a lot about ontology again. So that was good. And finding my hatred for dialectics like yeah. bubbled up. And, you know, so that was nice. one, one of the fairest pushbacks that I've heard, like some of his advice, like, you know, some of his like, um, you know, self-help books and stuff, they've helped me and they've helped other people. Fine. Again, I mean, if that is the case and me. stuff, um, that's good. I mean, yeah. I don't find the stuff that he says to be that amazing but sure if he did but i mean everything else so you can separate that from him but a lot of the social and, and things that he comments on i mean to me he just seems like he has this big agenda Again. always and then he just moves and twists everything into that and he can talk to you and argue with you forever i mean he's obviously good at that and he says like crazy stuff you know in this vice interview i mean the vice interview was weird Nonsense. too but he started talking about you know men and women now that they started working together what's happened sexual harassment so do you think men and women can work together and you're like what I mean, <laughs> now that i've thought about it i know how his bullshit is but like on the spot i can see how like you'd be got for a second with that you'll be like wait what what is he thinking so wait now yeah men and women can they work he has nothing to do as if yeah. sexual harassment or bad things didn't happen before men and women were together in an office or anything else you can say to kind of counter yeah, sexual harassment is uh, only uh, i mean it's he's uh yeah the sad again <laughs> watch astrology is fun for me watching uh, police academy is fun mm -hmm. for me watching shitty action movies fun for me i don't pretend it's science i don't pretend it's rational i don't pretend it's logic of the world and i don't take life advice from it that's the thing this guy that's the thing if he was just talking like some one of us had a youtube channel that would be good he claims you know he claims yeah. to have this knowledge that oh, jesus anyway but it was i was surprised that how much i hated him though like, yeah i mean it is just evil like it's just the way he i mean i hate that jung and mysticism always but yeah i didn't think it would be that bad yeah i mean since the past month where we've given him a fair shake so to speak different and uh, to different extents the two of us i mean you know my initial thoughts on him and initially i'd said oh i haven't seen anything from him really i mean I've kind of forgotten the clips and shit that I watched from him 10 years ago. But yeah, I've kind of reached the same point with maybe some more concrete examples. And I think that you did provide a relatively, to a certain extent, systematic criticism of him. At least I think there. So I would love if some other people who are watching the video let us know in the comment section, you know, if there's still stuff that we're missing about him, if we're still being unfair in, in some like ways and what. This episode is me going after old men. <laughs> <First screen. laughs> like me 
just but, picking fights with all their men who are far more accomplished and you know respected than I am. So, but good, I like it. But before we move on here, let me just say one thing, literally one word that you said that I don't agree on, is that you said, ah, well, he's a boomer. And I don't understand this criticism of saying someone is a boomer. That's just referring to people born between a particular, <laughs> a particular time. So sure, there were overall ideologies, but not everybody is the same. So just like, no, I, I've heard okay, others say okay, that too. Right, it's like a, right. Okay, so the person I get was born between this year and this okay. year. Now that I've okay. noted that down, <laughs> what more is there to say? <laughs> okay okay all right that was yeah making fun of someone is not but i would say age is a slightly different though in that you can say people are you know influenced by like you can there are some i mean it's yeah it's i accept, accept. <laughs> it was wrong of me to do that but uh, it were, you can see some like commonalities of people of certain generations no but, definitely yeah, okay. there we, are some we get friends. it we get it you had a cool grandpa your grandpa <laughs> no, was a cool woman no. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason i say this is i was just watching a video yesterday or this morning and someone said that and i got pissed off with that oh. so it was like fresh in my mind so as soon as you said the word boomer i forgot everything else you said after Sam, <laughs> you, <cut this. laughs> you say that <laughs> say boomer one more time <laughs> go ahead I you. but okay i mean jordan peterson is fun so i mean I think I'll okay. still watch some stuff with him every now and then. Once you've recovered, maybe I'll give you <laughs> a week the, or two yeah. and we'll come After back. After the first, first wave of shock of some of the stuff he says that you just go, what? Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, it becomes fun because this is just for comedy at that point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam. So let's move on to our progressive film recap part. So I didn't watch this movie. You, you made me watch one of these uh, action figure movies, superhero movies a while ago. And I think you realize that it's very rarely my cup of tea. Except when it comes Although, to Spider-Man again, because my wife was uh, re-watching the last three Spider-Mans before watching the new one. And I got a glimpse of her watching the second one of it. So not the original three, the second series of the of the three. Oh, okay. Andrew Garfield one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the first three okay. are amazing. What, no, I'm joking. Ma- <laughs> I remember those when I was 10. But yeah, the Andrew Garfield ones. And the second one was kind of fun to watch a little bit that I watched. But yeah, this one, Eternals, wow. I don't even know or what it's about. So I wouldn't even have any like nostalgic juices powering me through the movie. So, <laughs> so it's amazing that it's amazing that the Spider-Man movie that you found somewhat like interesting is considered the worst Spider-Man <laughs> movie of all time. But okay, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, Eternals. I thought it really ties well with the theme of our episode. Are we doing enough? Because it's okay. Spoiler, by the way, alert. It's about these uh, space creatures uh, that are sent to Earth to fight these monsters called Deviants, right? And but they they are not allowed to interfere with humans' affair. So you know they are like super. They are basically Justice League, like Superman, you know Aquaman. That like they all have each has like they're super powerful, but they don't do anything for like you know five thousand years. I think seven thousand. I don't know. But they don't do anything. Like they don't save people and stuff. So there is this theme like one of the characters is like this is we just stand aside this is genocide you know we watch and all that 
So it's just, it reminded me of a problem that I have with all the Marvel movies. They try to address a serious issue, like, for example, political apathy by the powerful. But they fuck it up so bad. They just, <laughs> they always end up like, and in this one, they actually did an interesting job because at the end, when they band together to fight the bad guy, one of them basically goes, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to fight this. I'm out. <laughs> so I found it somewhat, and one of, oh, and the main bad guy, a spoiler alert, turns out to be the, one of the leaders of the team, right? It's no, a big yeah. surprise. Yeah, Icarus. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, it had a couple of curve curveballs that I found interesting. But uh, do you think would you, if you were eternal, if you were immortal, let's say, would you wait five thousand years? Before? So let me get this. Let and me see a, if I got this right. One yeah. of them. One of them got to talk to their god. None of the other ones got to see the god or anything. Yeah. They were just on a spaceship. Then they got to Earth, and it turned out the god was evil and wanted them to do bad things. But only like they all accepted this five thousand years of doing nothing. So yeah, let me get this straight. So they were sent to planet Earth to kind of save yeah. it or do something, but they just like they just live their lives for five thousand well, years and don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, oh my God, the plan of the gods—that's yeah. just the most ludicrous part. They were sent to Earth because they wanted because. Uh, there oh there were dinosaurs on earth mm-hmm. right yeah yeah i saw the, i saw the trailer so i saw the oh, dinosaurs by the way it was a by the way it's a rip off of uh, iranian religion of zoroastrianism <laughs> this movie it's a rip off of zoroastrianism so you have this cult called arsham which is uh, one name of the iranian gods by the way arsham is i think the name of his name is arsham is iranian for truth or something all right so you got this god arsham he sent there are dinosaurs on earth right he's a celestial he sends these deviants to kill the dinosaurs so there is enough humans so that they can kill the humans to so a new celestial is born from the core of the earth right so you know very realistic so and then he sends the eternals because those deviants went a bit berserk and it started killing too many people like they killed the dinosaurs but then they stayed around and killed the people right like this is zoroastrianism pretty much but yeah and then they came and then the immortals came to control the population of deviants so humanity can grow so there is enough of them to kill so uh celestial can be born i see okay i see, I see. yeah so that's the whole. That plot. was, the, and and by the way, like like, right, there is genocides. All of that that didn't affect the population. Like World <laughs> War Two led to significant population reduction, but no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but yeah, it's the whole thing was ludicrous. Like they had all the powers, but they didn't interfere in anything. <laughs> but I guess the ending, the interesting thing was that the bad guy was kind of addressing the issue. The bad guy was like, I have it like what like 5,000 years of doing nothing. Now go, now you guys want to abandon ship. <laughs> so I felt for the bad guy a little. I see. And how has this movie been received? Is it being received oh, like terribly? Terribly. Thankfully, this is the first movie that immediately got terrible reviews mm-hmm. because marvel movies when they're awful even they 
first gets really good reviews like Thor 2 originally got good reviews and then but yeah no this one is they everybody hates it it didn't sell well hopefully there will be no sequels or anything although I doubt it because it's Marvel they you know they don't make movies for one of them to be profitable it's part yeah. of the whole fucking thing Seriously. so you know and is it a yeah. bit of like comedy or no like when like these guys were there for like 5,000 years yeah. or so is it a bit there of- is there is that your usual they are trying the usual you know marvel uh, it's that's it's not comedy it's more just a couple of you know remarks and all yeah. that they got kamal nanjiani who's a fantastic actor and comedian but he doesn't get that much time there mm. is the best the best person in this the korean guy who plays gilgamesh yeah, uh, I'm He's the guy who was in Train to Busan. He's a fantastic Korean actor. He's he's the best one and he dies halfway through. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Angelina Jolie's... Uh, like, Angela Jolie genuinely seems pissed off about the whole thing. Like, what? Um, like, she's um, phoning it in. She's like, um, like her act... Like, no effort. No effort really? whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I yeah Because she's a great actress. So I, I, I think... Uh, they, but on the other hand, the guy who plays Icarus, who's sort of ha- like a lead bad guy, yeah, he's, which... he's putting the most like he's he's the guy who was in Game of Thrones. He's doing mm-hmm. his Hamlet. This <laughs> is his Hamlet, you know. This is his Othello, and he's this like repressed man who can't show emotions and all that. But it, yeah, it's been all the intro. I was surprised by the bad reviews though, because the director is a bit of a. Hollywood darling as well. Mm. She's the director of No Man, uh, Nomad's Land. You know the one that won the best uh, female. Yeah, yeah I think it sounds actor. familiar. It's about the lady who uh, doesn't have a like. She becomes homeless and then she has to live in these caravan like caravan like. I don't know mm. whatever they're called. But yeah, it was a yeah. So this movie made me think about our theme of are we doing enough? And relative to these gods, yeah, we are doing more than enough. <laughs> well, if others are doing enough, not the we, because we do the least of everybody <laughs> put yeah, together. Yeah. Others are doing enough. <laughs> others... We are we are commenting on what others are yeah. doing. Do. <laughs> but yeah, so that part cool. sounds just like funny. I feel like there could have been like a whole um what's that uh, what, what's that Kat Ryan Reynolds? What are the superhero uh, movies Deadpool. that he played Deadpool right I mean I Deadpool haven't is awesome. yeah I know I haven't seen Eternals but this just made me feel like you know for those 5,000 years they could have just been 